0: Lauren Paler and welcome to Currency Exchange in partnership with World Class. Brought to you by Diageo. World Class is a leading voice in cocktail culture, and exists to inspire people to care about what, where, and how they drink. There is a great opportunity to connect with stories of our past and in our present. There is little value in knowing our history if it is incomplete and narrated in an inauthentic way. Your voice has value, just like currency. And collectively telling our stories will play a vital role in changing the narrative. Now, let's introduce this week's episode. In episode 5 of Currency Exchange, I chat with Orlando Marzo and Tim Phillips Johansson. In October 2018, Orlando was crowned best bartender in the world after winning the prestigious Diageo World Class Cocktail Competition. Marzo started his bartending career in Modena, Italy. After finishing hospitality school, he moved to London to further enhance his bartending skills. Here, he learned to mix fine drinks and demonstrated his impeccable service standards within the Rushmore Group, at the Player and Milk and Honey. At the end of 2013, Orlando moved to Australia to improve and learn from the world-class Melbourne standard of power hospitality culture at the top of its game. Tim Phillips Johansson is Australia's most awarded bartender with over 20 years' experience in hospitality. Originally from Melbourne, Tim has honed his craft in multiple cities and the best bars around the world, including Black Pearl, Milk and Honey, and The Clubhouse. He now resides in Sydney, Australia, where he is the co-owner of four-time Australian Cocktail Bar of the Year and five-time World's 50 Best Bars Entrant, Bulletin Place, as well as Restaurant Dead Ringer. Soon to be residing in Amsterdam in 2021, Tim became the Global Ambassador for Johnny Walker. Hello everyone and welcome to episode five of Currency Exchange. Uh, today I'm joined by two amazing bartenders and industry professionals based in Australia. So I'm chatting with Orlando Marzo and Tim Phillips Johansson and I couldn't be more excited. Hello to both of you.
1: Hello. Hi Lauren. Hey are you Hi. going? Uh,
0: yeah it's been really fun catching up with everyone from the world class family. Who knew that um you know, Zoom Zoom would be the uh, the outlet for that. Yeah,
1: well, you know, we're we're just riddled with champions down here in Australia. So obviously, to have uh, to have two in the same podcast is is, uh, is very rare. You know, normally we don't appear on the same podcast just in case you know of accidents and uh, and and we lose each other. So yeah, you're, you're very <laughs> very lucky today, I assure you.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited. No, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so for today's conversation, we're going to be focusing on the act of self-discovery. And, you know, as we were prepping for this, so much stuff kind of came to the surface. So um, I think the best way to start out is really just an introduction um, for both of you and how you got started in the food and beverage industry.
2: I leave After a you, Orlando. Oh,
1: come on. You go first. Okay, beauty before beast, mate. Go ahead, your floor is yours.
2: You're a kind gentleman. Um, So, yeah, my name is Orlando Marzo, as you can probably hear very quickly by my accent. I am from the Southeast of Italy, from a place called uh, Puglia, region called Puglia, a little town near Lecce. And I came to Australia eight years ago. And uh, I started my Hospitality career in back home in uh, in my region in Puglia. I then moved to Modena, which some might call the pinnacle hospitality hospitality capital around the world and in Italy. And then I made my way to London. And then after working in London, I um, wanted to explore particularly from the beverage industry, but the hospitality all in all and the culture um, outside of Europe because back then I didn't have the possibility to travel. So I was very new, um, early 20 years old, and uh, I didn't travel outside of Europe. So I wanted to, to you know, make it as far as I could, let's say. And uh, I landed in Melbourne, where I call it home for the last eight years.
1: Uh, and then I guess, I guess myself, I'm I'm originally from Melbourne. Um, I'm still at, after being in Sydney for the last eleven years. I'm still a bit of a reluctant Sydney cider, uh, but uh, suffice to say, I was I was born in Australia and born in um, the inner west of Melbourne, a place called Footscray. Um, I, I kind of cut my teeth in bartending in sort of country pubs when I was sort of seventeen, eighteen, uh, and then um, got the hell out of Melbourne when I was about twenty-four and travelled did some work actually funnily enough myself and Orlando both worked in the same bar at, in sort of separate chapters of this bar's life uh, in, in London a place called Milk and Honey which which at the time was probably, probably Europe's best cocktail bar and uh, and then obviously did a bit more travel because I didn't want to come back home at the time so did some work in France and and um, and in New York and then came back to Australia and then uh, moved to, to sunny Bondi Beach in Sydney where I've been for the last 11 years and um, had the opportunity of operating my own bars here and, and, and obviously competing in competitions like world class. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a journey of 20 plus years now in hospitality and, uh, and obviously and, and obviously now I've, 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 I've pivoted to the, to the dark side and I've taken on a role with Johnny Walker as their global brand ambassador, which I'll be moving, migrating to Amsterdam for with my family um, this year. Congrats! <laughs> Thanks, That's guys. So I appreciate exciting.
0: it. <laughs> well, yeah, I know
1: that. Well, if you're going to be a brand ambassador, you may as well just go for the, go for the biggest and best. So it's uh, it's it, it's it's a very exciting time for Johnny Walker. Uh, and and obviously, I'm very very proud to be a custodian of such an incredible brand.
0: That's amazing. Amazing. Oh, wow. I love that. So, all right. Well, let's chat a little bit about um immigration Australia. So immigration um. Since World War II has truly transformed Australian society and population, I actually had the pleasure of attending um, study abroad in Australia for a nursing school, the Australian Catholic University. And um, and a lot of the folks that I ended up going to school with were talking about how a lot of residents of Australia are immigrants or are the children of immigrants. Um, So, Orlando, I'd like to start with you. Uh, What are some things that you took from home? Um, Because you are originally from Italy right? Um, Yes. So consciously and subconsciously, um, that allowed you to really integrate into your craft um, a a very unique and specific like style or um, story.
2: Consciously, uh, 700 mils of olive oil and subconsciously, (laughs) (laughs) the thick accent. Um, No, joking. Um, Great question. So um, what I think the bigger picture is that when we, you know, what, what I took with me was that kind of luggage of uh, experience and knowledge of, you know, what I thought um, Australia would be like. And subconsciously, you take the style that goes with it. You know, particularly in the uh, food and beverage industry, you kind of uh, naturally go and hunt uh, what you're used to, right? So things, for example, like, um, you know, I, I often have a drink and I have some food with it. You know, I love uh, to start with uh, uh, the meal with a long, refreshing drink or, um, you know, sometimes we do drink at lunchtime because particularly in Italy and in the side of Europe, where, uh, we do drink at lunchtime and there are nights that we don't drink. There is months that we don't drink. So I believe that all of these kind of little things in hospitality and, uh, and non-hospitality kind of influence the community all in all. Because I remember working in a bar uh, at that time. I was at ODV and asking the guys, oh, what are you doing tomorrow and whatnot. And sometimes, you know, the schedule of people are very different. And I found it very fascinating because there is the early, early uh, sleeper, the late sleeper, and I'm talking about 5 a.m., 6 a.m., you know. And there is the guy that reads a the book, there is a the guy that does exercise, there is the guy that goes for lunch, there is a the guy that likes to eat a snack just before the shift and whatnot. So, what I'm thing I'm trying to say is that um, you take a style with you when you travel. And um, the other part is what did I find here in, uh, in Australia, you know, what kind of culture I found it. And I've, I personally think being quite similar in, in a way, but different in another. Very mm-hmm. similar be- because um, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, part of uh, Melbourne is highly influenced by uh, some early Europeans made their way here, particularly during the World War I and World War II. Um, and so you find yourself at home. But the beauty is that uh, it is different, you know. Um, in Italy, we love coffee, but, and so does Melbourne, but it's completely different. And so these kind of make you understand that culture uh, translates, but also shapes to, um, to, to its own, you know. So it gives like a new shape and a new form to, Uh, to style you know same with food you know you try some Japanese food here in Melbourne and uh, it is different from the one in Japan and it becomes like a great melting pot of uh, culture and experiences
0: yeah that's really cool um I love that and Tim what about you How have you found inspiration from other cultures and customs in Australia
1: yes I mean so ultimately I mean as, as cocktail bartenders we're artists right so we we take inspiration from from many forms we don't just take inspiration from know from 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 alcoholic liquids that we see on back bars and and i I guess kind of my story is 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 fairly um fairly typical of most kind of you know european anglo-saxon australians you know my my father is from malta um came over here shortly after world war ii uh, along with a whole bunch of other you know largely white europeans you know we're talking about italians italians the greeks um, the lebanese and the maltese um, came over and, and migrated to Australia. So that kind of, that culture started to, to, to permeate and, and, and that sort of acceptance in, um, I guess, you know, European Western European culture in terms of British settlement um, started to really kind of connect with these more Mediterranean cultures, mostly through the food, you know, like Italians would come to Australia and, and, and Maltese and they would call, you know, British Australians can eaters because everything we ate was out of a can. Um, So you can take inspiration in in twofold there, you can take inspiration and say, hey, Australia doesn't have a great food culture, or you can say Australia's food culture is borrowed from the Mediterranean, Um, but then you can look a little bit deeper, you can then, you know, you can look a little bit back, and this is something that Australia is, Australian bartenders are connecting with a lot better now, and that's, this is a great thing, and it's now Indigenous culture, you know, we've got the oldest the oldest living settlement of people on the face of the earth that are from Australia, the Indigenous Australians have been on this land for over 50,000 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And and with that kind of set, you know, with with that culture and with that history comes a lot of knowledge. And, and, you know, these these people ate some amazing foods and these Indigenous ancient foods and ingredients, the things that we're now starting to turn to Finally, after you know, 250 years of European settlement in Australia, we're finally starting to wake up to the fact that, hey, we've got not only some incredibly special people that are you know, the, the, from this country, but we've actually got some amazing ingredients we can incorporate uh, and, uh, and, and help resonate the culture with you know, white Australians as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool. You know, I love having these conversations just because I personally learn a lot. So I'm hoping everyone listening is learning some stuff too. Um, yeah, but
1: I think so. So just on that, Lauren, I think we look at. I mean, Australia's biggest kind of fault in a lot of ways is that we have largely ignored this. And um, you, when we look at kind of our neighbors over the, the you know, the, the the Tasman Ocean, and we look at um, we look at New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand have been, you know, one of the absolute, you know. Frontline leaders in incorporating their indigenous Maori culture into their white European culture and we've kind of always stood back and, 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 and admired it um, but it's something that we've always been a bit slow to, to uptake here in Australia so um, I, I'm proud to say that I'm part of a generation now that that I feel like is making some genuine change in that regard.
0: No that's really it's cool uh, and Orlando what uh, were you going
2: to say? Sorry. Absolutely like uh, great words from Tim. and if I can Add something else is really amazing. That particularly, even in my brief time coming here, uh, things are moving rapidly for the good. You see more bartenders being aware of what surrounds us and uh, working with uh, uh, with flavors that are uh, inexistent in existence in the in other parts of the world. You know, and that's very unique. That's really
0: great. Yeah,
2: that's
1: great. Uh... Quite... Sorry. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say. It's- it's crazy that sometimes the way to, to, you know, to help people connect the dots is really just to, it, it's through food and it's through people's stomachs and, and, and in our case it's through cocktails. But, um, you know, in, in, when, when we had the gold rush in Victoria in the early part of the 20th century, a lot of Chinese migrants came over to Australia and uh, and, and still to this day, you, you, you generally find in any of these kind of country regional towns uh, a, a Chinese restaurant that has been you know that has been there for sort of four generations and and a lot of the ways that you know that sort of family and that culture connected with locals in these towns with a population of 30 was through you know Chinese dishes that were bastardized into an Australian version with Australian ingredients.
0: Yeah that's really interesting um there's something that you said earlier about you know, we're we're in an industry, and we we make drinks, but it, it's obviously not always about the drinks, right? I think that we're we're finally realizing that it's so much more than the drinks, right? It's it's investing in these issues that we're discussing, one so that we can take better care of ourselves, our staffs, but then also the people coming into our establishments. So I want to kind of segue into this idea of 2020, which was a crazy year for everyone, um, but there were so many lessons that came out of it. So. Are there any lessons in particular, um, whether it was just because you had many moments to reflect or just to observe or listen, um, that taught you anything about your craft, community, and ways in which you interact and influence your peers and guests?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think, um, I guess sort of speaking for uh, our own sort of communities here in Australia, I mean, there there was a huge focus when bars were were in lockdown and venues weren't able to open to really sort of support you know bars that were independent on your doorstep um and and, and trying to to do something that was different from what they normally would to keep open uh there was a real sort of groundswell of support that really has sort of flowed through to when venues have reopened you know i think that really kind of like eat local think local um mentality has is something that i hope doesn't isn't just a trend for 2020 and something that sort of continues to grow you know if if, uh, if your local restaurant is giving it a shot then, then, then give them a shot
2: that's it <clears throat> and i think like uh, resilience and persistency as well uh, made people shine and um, make them occupied for the positive part of it um, particularly a sense of uh, community i would say in a way that you know, and sometimes you think about it, like we needed a pandemic to be waking up, you know, with some certain uh, um, uh, conversations, but when you, and I speak in our little world of uh, food and beverage, but when you make a decision, what spirits to use, what fruit to use, how to make it, you know, every, every single ingredient, every single things that you choose in that cocktail impact someone else. You know, so your, your strawberries, the, you help a farmer with, you know, your vinegar, you help another person and, and so moves on. And, and this is really, really important. And uh, during the pandemic, we saw this sense of community really highlighted, particularly in, uh, in our bartending industry, which uh, was phenomenal to, to see.
1: And, and just on that, Orlando, I, I think it's pretty amazing. I was thinking about this fairly deeply last week was that there's not many industries in the world that you, you generally find a real movement of change for the betterment of the earth coming from so my, my my example or my metaphor would be this and is that you know the whole idea with plastic straws the whole idea to get rid of them to save the turtles and to save the earth and to save single-use plastic and to and to just get rid of the whole you know notion of having to have these plastic straws has come from bars and it's come from bartenders. So all of us sort of bartenders that work in, you know, not even high-end bars, it's filtering down to sort of mainstream bars as well, we're all a bunch of screaming lefties and all of us are kind of looking at each other and we're pointing at each other going, how can we do this better? How can we do this better for the earth? How can we support each other better? And and that is, that is incredible and it's incredibly different to any other industry. You don't see the, you know, you don't see the, um, you know, the, the, the takeaway industry uh, of Australia getting together to say, right, we're going to ban Single-use plastic bags or single-use takeaway tubs. You don't see the hairdressers' union get to getting together to say, right, we're going to stop using plastic uh, plastic caps for uh, you know for, for people when they get their hair dyed or get their hair treated. You know, there's a movement that comes from bars, bartenders, and hospitality to do something better for the earth. It's not a government regulation, and that I think speaks volumes to the industry we're in. And it's not just about drinks because we all care so much about the industry and about leaving a really strong mark that's a sustainable one for our future and for the industry
0: yeah
2: that's a, that's really amazing i never actually thought that you know that way like that is uh, you know when you were talking about it like the photography industry what are they doing for uh you know sustainability or like the, the movie industry what are they doing to improve it and it's so true perhaps you know now that we started the conversation it can be that we do eat and drink on a daily basis, you know? We, di- we need to drink, it doesn't matter what, it can be non-alcoholic, it can be water, it can be uh, a small you know, salad, it can be a snack, but as humans we need to be fed and um, every single decision that you make in the chain or how you get fed impacts the others. And as Tim said, the takeaway industry is a massive one, you know, big uh, uh, supermarket chain, they have a massive platform they, they can really change the way we eat and drink as a as a as, a, as humans but um, mm. it's really phenomenal to see bartenders in bars particularly being the front yeah. line on this
1: and maybe that's maybe that's one of the things we take away from from 2020 as well and obviously there was there's a thing called the coronavirus that happened in 2020 i'm not sure if you got if, the, if you guys got that over in the u.s but it kind of affected us here in australia not so much as, as over there, obviously. But in the early part of 2020, we had these incredible bushfires that ravaged our uh, ravaged our country. And Australia, because of its um, remoteness and because of the nature of it being uh, a very kind of dry land, um, we're very susceptible to climate change and much like the rest of the world. I mean, but with that said, I think obviously we have things like the Great Barrier Reef down here, but we also have um, you know, things like huge corporations that, you know, uh, pillage our earth, uh, to take out uranium and coal, um, you know, to do to, to really poor things to the planet. And then that coupled with the fact we have these, you know, really incredible sort of wildfires or bushfires that generally happen year on year means that we, we, as bartenders in Australia, we really care about the environment as well. So maybe that's another thing that's happened out of 2020 is that, you know, we've realized that the earth is precious and we need to step up our game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think um, there are two things that are kind of resonating in my mind from everything that was just said. One is that um, I also do believe that we're kind of changing this idea of what sustainability used to be. It was very much a all or nothing type thing initially. And now we're kind of transitioning very much into this. Well, you know, in many instances, that's a luxury. It's a privilege. And, you know, being able to make... Small changes anywhere is still impactful. So a lot of the conversations, at least here in the states, are, you know, we our program is sustainable and that we do what we can where we can. You know, um, the other thing is I was actually having a conversation with somebody fairly recently, and we were talking about just books that talk about health or wellness, that talk about sustainability, that talk about the way that we make cocktails. And something I often wonder is when these books were written, were they written with the understanding or at least the hope that five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever content was in them is hopefully irrelevant because we want to evolve and we want to change, right? I really like, you know, if I ever come out with a book my hope is that years ahead, it's not relevant anymore because that just means that we are moving towards creating better systems that we're evolving. And I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's it's funny going back and looking at some old sort of cocktail books, and you know you see cocktails garnished with two plastic straws, three plastic right. swizzle sticks. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's it is quite glaring, glaring, glaring when, when, when you see it like straws?
2: that. <laughs> Why did we use two straws? Isn't that? I, I think it was easier have one,
1: to like... have one higher than the other.
2: You know. Oh yeah, that's right yeah but we were we were milk and honey was like one against the other same level was it
1: there you go yeah, yeah the, even, even then we were i i i would only put one story in just because i'm a tight ass Too stingy.
2: <laughs> actually on um on this note um it's really amazing that like for example like a a, a program like world class because of what we see as a young bartenders, you know, um, the challenges. But if you go a little bit deeper, those are topics, right? So they put you on the spot to come up with things. They inspire you really. And so, um, you know, not shy to say that some of the things <clears throat> that uh, I discovered even of myself and the way of thinking go inspired by some of the work class challenges, you know? Uh, I remember, for example, the year uh, I um, uh, I won in 2018, one of the challenges was a sustainability challenge and we needed to use a produce from Victoria. And then I learned so much that, um, you know, I became closer to a farmer from Victoria, um, you know, and then uh, we keep using uh, this person on and on. And so it makes you think that sustainable is not, being, being sustainable is not always just uh, being materialistic aware, but it's also be sustainable in the way you run your business, you know, and sustainable uh, in terms of like health for uh, for yourself as well. So it's an interesting topic, and then those things I think uh, they need to be remembered on a, on a daily basis. And particularly, I remember uh, reading that brief. It was really put um, put together very well. Um, I was going to work and I was, uh, everyone had a project and then I decided to well to bring that project that I was working on which was world class and ask everyone if they had any idea if every day there was one thing you can change up at work can be one thing yeah to make sustainability better can be like yourself you can be um, um, you know a, a material a material component be like maybe when I, I don't need three hand towels every time I wash my hands. One will do. Maybe in the toilet, we remove uh, hand towels and we just put the, the fan. Small little changes that can impact, again, a community and can impact the, you know, health as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's important. Um, so you brought up a really great segue to the next question, which is, So the title of this uh, or the theme of this podcast is the act of self-discovery. And the reason being is because uh, when I was going through my world-class journey in 2019, I didn't realize by the end of it how much I would have learned about myself more than anything else. Um, I think, you know, I was kind of going into at a point where I was learning so much my career and I wanted to challenge myself a bit, but towards the end, there were so many things about myself that kind of evolved into food and beverage that I, I learned. I learned that I, I, I love being an advocate for social justice, that I love you know, um, being a person who, who advocates for folks taking care of themselves, basically everything outside of what we do at work, right? Um, so I wonder with both of you, we've talked about several topics um, what, what did you learn about yourself as you've kind of, you know, over the years, it doesn't necessarily have to be with world-class, but um, about yourself that's allowed you to be, you know, who you are, both in your personal and your professional life.
1: Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll jump in there. I, I mean, what I've kind of learned from, you know, 20 years in this industry is, um, is that you have to, you have to kind of really look after yourself. And uh, I think looking after yourself, Works in kind of three folds. You know, you look after your look after your mind. So, looking after your mind in the industry is about challenging yourself and always you know, never never becoming cynical, never becoming jaded. Always looking for that next challenge. Always making sure that once you're at the top of the pyramid in your venue, or that you look to the next challenge where you hopefully become near towards the bottom of the venue to try to climb that. The next way of looking after yourself is through your body. So, you, you through your body. It's it's about for me, it wasn't, it was, for me, it was about changing a habit that I would have a drink, at least one drink after work every night. Sometimes I'd have more, sometimes I'd go out and have a kebab, but it was ultimately, it was about, you know, fueling my body better. So fueling my body better was by, by, by eating better before shift, during shift, um, trying not to eat after shift. And if I did eat after shift, it was something relatively healthy, trying not to drink after work, not go out for drinks anymore, and also getting at least eight hours sleep. So, and then last but not least, it was feeding my soul. And to feed my soul, that was when I would let my hair down. That was when I would have fun. So if the other two things were in balance, I would make sure that I would feed my soul by, by going out and letting my hair down, seeing friends, um, having a good time. Uh, and if I could kind of keep those three things in check and really keep a strong balance between them, um, certainly certainly more towards the, the mind and body side of things, then I would have a great balance and that would give me longevity and, and, and to bring it back to the word sustainability would give me sustainability in a career. And I guess here I am now, you know, 20, 21 years or 20 years into a career in hospitality and, I, and I'm excited to wake up in the morning and start work. I'm excited for the next challenge. And, and I think, um, you know, that decision I kind of made when I was or that, that, that light bulb moment when I was about 24, 25 um, has really held me in good stead.
0: I love that. What about you, Orlando?
2: Uh, that's amazing i think uh, um it's like like a uh, team uh like tim said that uh, plus the fact that um looking after yourself and having a, a great lifestyle and be very excited about work and do ev- everything basically 100 percent um you know be a little bit more mature if you wish in some set some way um you also feel the power and you know with all of the respect there is a uh, a lot that we can learn, but it is uh, likely a lot of people, they want to listen to what we got to say, and they see a team, they see ourselves as, as an inspiration from the industry, as a, as a messenger. And so to distribute these into a different way, you know, so um, change, um, absorb, and also have impact in others. Because, for example, I change the way we, I do trainings with people. I change the way I think and, uh, about my staff, I, with the stuff that work with me, with the team, right? The, the experiences that I'm excited to bring on to the team are different to the experiences that uh, I learned uh, when I was a young bartender. And what I'm saying is, you know, uh, the, the younger generation perhaps needs to be more inspired into spending... Uh, more time outside, you know, rather than spend the, every day in front of a bar. And uh, the stronger he is, who, who gets the, you know, more drinks, more beers, and a shot in one go. It's, uh, you know, can we do an activity together? Can we run together once a month, you know, and be realistic about it. And then I think that that's really amazing, because um, you know, let's let's be honest, we all jump in this industry because it's 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 amazing. Uh, particularly at the early uh, stage, you get to go in bars and not pay for drinks, and that can be quite uh, that can be quite dangerous because you're always thrown in situation where you are at the party that everyone wants to hang out, and you are basically running it, and there is a lot of alcohol and there is late nights, and so how do you manage this conversation with the with the guys that are just about to step into the bar, you know? And with that said, how do you make the journey fun in the same time? Because it doesn't have to be boring. So
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, with that said, that's a I mean that's a that's a fun and important part of working in hospitality and growing up in a career in hospitality. My my only kind of tip and and, and my only advice to any of the staff that have come through outdoors is if you want to if you want to drink on shift and that's that's your prerogative, although it is technically illegal. Um, do real because i want you won't be able to hide i mean you will, probably will be able to hide it from me uh but you've got to realize that it's the you know it's the the, the, the losers that keep doing that and it's the winners that get out of that and ultimately have the best careers so uh, i you, you gotta let your staff make their own kind of decisions because if they want to drink that they're, they're probably going to but um they've got to understand there's consequences to that as well
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um all right so i have two more questions for y'all we talked about this briefly with the indigenous folks that are in Australia. In the States, there have been a lot of discussions about race, ethnicity, culture, and the, the responsibility that we ultimately all have as a community in being involved in either holding people accountable or at least being a part of the conversation, challenging ourselves in our minds to be involved. Um, and there are obviously lessons that come with these moments. It's a learning experience. It's a learning curve. I know that you both are active in the conversations in this regard in some capacity, but I wondered if you had any advice to share for anyone struggling to find their place in these difficult you know, spaces with these topics and these conversations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, what I've been doing a lot lately is just listening, listening mm-hmm. and reading. I think uh, I, I know nothing about Indigenous culture, and that's a real shame because it just wasn't taught in schools when I I grew up here only 25, 30 years ago. Um, I'm glad that, that that has changed now, I hear, but, but ultimately I think it's, it's just important for, um, for anybody to, to build up empathy with any, you know, what essentially is a minority in their own country with Indigenous Australians. Uh, so that's what I've been doing is spending a lot of time uh, learning about their culture, uh, reading about their history, learning about their ingredients, listening to their stories, and asking questions when I have the opportunity, you know, I don't think there's any dumb questions in that regard if it comes from a really humble and um, you know well well, well well-meaning place. Um, and that's 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 that's, I guess, my my only kind of tip to anybody that wants to wants to learn and understand and grow more empathy.
0: Absolutely,
2: for yeah. sure. And uh, uh, like, there is more to discover, right? So whether is uh, is day one and uh, you don't know. And, absolutely anything about it or whether you want to discover more, there is way a lot to learn, you know? Uh, and particularly, um, we all, we all guest somewhere. And, uh, you know, so we need to make sure that we feel comfortable at, uh, at being in the place, but also asking those questions that uh, start a conversation that needs to happen um, uh, and pretty quickly as well. And I, I particularly speak for myself. Like, you know, um, being here and uh, being a, a visitor, particularly, only, only, only been here for quite, uh, for a few years, um, I was kind of like shy and I didn't even know where, where to start, you know, th- those conversations. And very quickly I discovered that so my Australian friends and, uh, you know, but, as, as we mentioned earlier on in the conversation, things are really changing, and um, uh, yeah, it's really it's really rewarding to see. I love
0: that. Right. Yeah, I think
1: it's I think it's in a, in a lot of ways, you know. For I can't speak for you, Orlando, but you know, you, you coming over as a you know, as a migrant eight years ago yourself, you know, it's almost that you know, ignorance in, is bliss in a certain regard. You're you're able to to ask as many questions as you like, and 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 people will. Uh, we'll we'll be able to answer it for you it's almost embarrassing for someone like myself who's spent their whole life in Australia Mm -hmm. um, to ask those questions about you know his own country's culture Um, so I think anyone that was sort of born and raised in in Australia they've kind of got to get over that embarrassment and they've got to kind of ask those questions and and get past that and scratch past that surface to you know to to get to the important stuff.
2: Actually we said that because I was just zooming in myself in the moment and speaking as an Italian in Australia and giving you my experience of being in Australia. But I was just mirroring, I almost felt quite emotional because uh, it's the opposite is when I look now and my friends um, in Italy, uh, they may be having traveled as much or any person that makes like a kind of uh, You know a step into conversation that can't hurt the other person i feel i am the ambassador for it and whether it is my nation or any other nation because you know i experienced that first you know i went to london when my english was zero you know and then i took my luggage and i made myself home here and so when someone speaks about like not being comfortable and You know, being too patriotic about it, I get very sensitive in the opposite way, you know, and uh, I take the part of the person being affected if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's great.
2: I think you're just on mute, Lauren.
0: Yeah, I am. Of course, I am. You know, technology. (laughs) (laughs) She
1: was just, she was taking our advice and she was listening. You see, she is she's being polite to our
0: culture, Orlando. She,
1: she's a gracious host.
0: <laughs> oh no, that was just me now pressing the move button. <laughs> I do that often. It's okay. You think by now I'd have it together. Um okay. So my last question for both of you is actually my favorite question, which is if you could eat or drink anywhere in Australia right now, what would be your meal and what would be your drink? And where would it be? Oh,
1: That's so funny. Yeah, you go ahead, mate. Go ahead.
2: Do you know what? If I had an opportunity right now, honestly speaking, honestly, I would probably be at Tim's bar and having a drink with himself.
1: (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. We should have have prepared something so we could have had at least virtually right now, shouldn't we? yeah you know i've thought about this because we're we're migrating in um in a month's time so we're in lockdown in sydney at the moment we're recording i hope to, i'm not speaking out of turn we're recording this in july uh and uh everything's closed um and we're only allowed to get things within a 10 kilometer radius but there's a place in the city in chinatown it, there's a sichuan hot pot and it's it's a specific type of hot pot from the Chengdu province of china and I spent six weeks in Chengdu, you know, a long, long time ago doing some work, uh funny enough up for Smirnoff. And I grew this amazing love for Sichuan food. And this one place, I tell you what, it, if you if you ever wanna if you ever want to lose five kilos in 50 minutes, go here <laughs> and you'll sweat it out over the course of this amazing hot pot. And it's something I've been craving this whole not only lockdown last couple of months, and and I'm a little bit scared that I'm not going to be able to try it before we're going. uh before moving to amsterdam because australia's got a phenomenal uh chinese chinese food culture here in australia as well so i'm i'm scared that i may not be able to get it as is as as well in amsterdam
0: well i hope you do get get (laughs) together that sounds delicious (laughs) sometimes
2: thanks to technology the memories from years before keep popping up on your photos and you see recently uh um uh, my partner and I we had photos about Switzerland and Italy and I haven't been home for quite some time which is very unusual particularly for us traveling a lot and and so you know um I was thinking just the simplest stuff you know like I miss uh, a little um uh, a little cake that we have in the morning which is filled with the uh, crème patissier in Italy with a with a over uh, probably too much uh overly roasted coffee from uh, from my little area you know just miss That's this funny. moment miss uh, <laughs> yeah, going to going travel around bar and not you know have a great martinis in london and whatnot so it's a combination isn't,
1: isn't it crazy that, that i mean like i mean sort of so I'll, lauren if i asked you now you know what what would you want your sort of your death row meal to be or what what meal do you sort of crave the most it's funny how it always comes back to you know simple humble Foods. It's I never it's that finder Yeah, there you go. It's never the fine dining experiences that we we're, we're fortunate to have occasionally. Uh, it's it's generally always something as simple as you know those scones with jam and cream I had at my grandmother's house in you know when I was seven years old or something. Yeah, it's so funny.
0: Yeah, my I grew up in a, a very predominantly Italian area in the Bronx, and so. All nice. of my friends were Italian, and we used to eat those rainbow cookies. So I'd have a New York slice and a bunch of rainbow cookies, and I'd be the happiest person in the world.
1: Well, New York New York invented the pizza. You know that, right? Don't you, Orlando? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. for sure. There's beautiful <laughs> <New> big, beautiful, <laughs> big pizza, and they covered
2: it in pineapple. It's a glorious
0: thing. Oh, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, pineapple pizza is just a nasty thing for some reason. Oh, that
1: was phenomenal.
0: It's from Hawaii. Oh, I know yeah, Hawaiian pizza, right? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> All right. So every segment, I end with a cocktail inspired by the conversation. So it seemed appropriate to do a Johnny Walker cocktail. Um, and I was doing some research, and it seems that the fizzy apple cocktail is pretty popular in Australia um so i was kid- well i don't know am i correct i don't know orlando that face you just made was like ah, i don't know about that
1: <laughs> so we we love our we love our um we love our whiskey and apple so uh, just
2: okay. like, yeah. Apple juice, yeah no sparkling just apple juice okay great yeah. yeah so i
0: was thinking honestly just i was just gonna do a highball johnny walker with fresh squeezed green apple juice right on top that's right. Delicious.
1: Well, funnily enough, funnily enough, I would recommend, sorry, just to add a little bit to that, the Johnny Walker Gold Label, uh, which takes a, a whole bunch of whiskey from Klein Leash, obviously. Um, really delicate, honeyed whiskey. This is turning into a Johnny Walker, ad. Right? I'm sorry. Uh, but it goes really, really well with freshly pressed apple juice. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, choose your own adventure, really. It would be equally as delicious with Johnny Walker Red Label.
0: That sounds delicious. I <laughs> have a green apples, so I'll definitely be enjoying one of those later.
1: <laughs> great. Great. Right.
0: Well, thank you both for joining me today. This has been an amazing conversation. It might be my favorite one. You know, might be biased, but you know.
1: Oh, know <laughs> you say that to all the guests. Don't lie. I actually
0: haven't. At least not the recorded no, version it. of this. So it's on here, y'all. <laughs> but I think well, you'll be my
1: favorite. You'll be my favorite podcast host of the day as well.
0: I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thank you both for joining. I appreciate it. Thanks, Laura.
2: Thanks, Alanda. Thank you, team. Take care, mate.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Currency Exchange Podcast. To learn more about Currency Exchange, World Class, or Diageo, visit fohealth.org backslash currency dash exchange dash podcast.